0: As today's guest, Anne Ryan, said to me a number of times, or words to this effect through this interview, life is not always perfect. So it's how you then navigate the imperfections which is going to be important. And while we talk a lot about business, there's so many life lessons in this chat. Dealing with guilt, specifically mum guilt, which I know is is a big challenge, how you navigate that idea of perfectionism, simplifying your life, simplifying your business or your work, being able to take a leap of faith when you don't have all the answers and my favorite, stop thinking and just do it and making sure you put systems in place to be able to do that. I hope you enjoy this and take as much wisdom out of it as I did. Hey everyone. And welcome, Anne Ryan. How are you, Anne?
1: I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. You're
0: welcome. Yeah, we we haven't chatted properly for for a good few years now, but I've been watching your journey, and and uh, like we said before, do we hit record? You look like you're absolutely flying. But of course, when we get to that point, it doesn't mean it's <laughs> easy, right? Uh, we, we can build all these simple structures and we can know the path, but there's always challenges. So can you tell us a little bit firstly around that that business journey for you and the, some of the challenges you've had to overcome Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's so true, Ian. Everyone sees the end result and thinks <laughs> it's easy for you, Anne, because, you know, you've got this big audience or you've got the money or you've got all the things and it's like, um yeah, I do now, <laughs> but it's it's been quite the journey to get here. So um, I think you and I initially met Ian at the start of my online journey. I think I've met you at, actually at the very, very start of my online journey. Yeah, um, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was like the first program I'd ever invested in. Yeah, and, cool. Um, it didn't quite go to plan, but that's okay. We learned lots of lessons along the way. And, of course. Um, yeah, so I'd had business experience offline. Um, took a huge leap of faith with my husband. We borrowed three hundred thousand dollars against our home to start our first business. Again, not you know, in the coaching space, especially people kind of assume that you know, well, it, it's like if you were to buy a business, you would spend a lot of money, right? And so,
0: absolutely, people
1: forget forget about the investments that are required to get to where we are. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and we were very, very lucky. We worked very hard.
0: (laughs) What was the first business, sorry?
1: It's in the construction industry and we still have it today. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very niched in the construction industry. It's temperature-controlled rooms. And, yeah, um, yeah, and we, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, (laughs) We both quit our day jobs to start that business. I have a background in construction engineering And my husband also had a background in construction. So it wasn't too big a risk, but still, you know, we borrowed a lot of money. We had a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old at home at that point. And so, um, you know, there were some very, very stressful days and times as we built that business. And many years later, about 10 years later, is when I came online. And, um, you know, it was during a very busy period in my life, My kids, our kids were teenagers at this point. Um, My parents had migrated from the UK to Australia as well by this point um, to help me, to help me with the kids. But it also turned out that they needed a lot of help from me. So um, it was a busy period. Um, I had, my oldest had some mental health challenges. Um, My father had gone blind wow. over time yeah yeah so he wasn't born blind but he lost his eyesight over time so he took early retirement and my mum got early onset alzheimer's so we discovered all of this after they kind of arrived here and i'm their only family i am it oh, so um, you thought they're
0: going to be this uh, amazing help but but didn't work out that way
1: Look, they were an amazing help
0: <laughs> yeah. until
1: yeah. until they weren't, you know. Yeah, um, they, right. they, they moved over here when my kids were babies. So they were a help. They definitely yeah. were a help. But then, you know, 10 years later they weren't. And um, they relied a lot on me. And so... And I at that time also felt this real calling to start my coaching business and go online and (laughs) which makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) And people probably thought I was a little bit crazy because I wasn't specifically doing it for the money, but really felt like I wanted something that was so much more purpose-driven and... Yeah. And so it all began. Yeah.
0: I love that. And the fact that it was purpose-driven and not money-driven to me just says why everything's gone so well. Now, I know, like you said, it hasn't, like, I'm sure it hasn't all gone well, but you have to be in alignment with something bigger than than just business, right? And and is that something that you teach now as well with the women that you help in business?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there are easier ways to make money, Ian.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, and, and one of them is just to go and be an employee and, and you know, get a wage every week or every month or whatever frequency someone pays you, you know. Uh, yeah, but, of yeah. course, you don't. There's always a trade-off, right? You don't always have that job satisfaction. Um, our first business in the construction industry was very much about how can we make a lot of money. There's no doubt. Yep. You know, and, and still is today. It is still very much about it's not a passion-driven business. It's very much a, you know, <laughs> we need to put food on the table and we yeah. want a reasonable, you know, we want to be our own boss. And so, um, you know, but we also invest a lot, a lot of money to get that business off the ground. Um, and that very much helped us to um, speed up the rate of success, you could say in that business. Yeah, yeah. But um, entrepreneurship or coaching um, online, it, it takes time, right? It takes time to build a business. And when you, if you're desperately in need of the money, it sometimes takes even longer.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's been my experience as well. It's actually, it's not until you get the foundational pieces in place that, things start to unfold. So I'm curious, there had to be a motivator for you to get into coaching. Was that from setbacks being in business? Like, was there something you went through that you, that you thought, I, I can teach this. And also I don't want anyone else to have to go through that.
1: Yeah. Look, I think somewhere inside of me has been this woman who has, um, always felt this need to have it all you know i and this is a very stereotypical sc- scenario that i'm describing here so ian there's no judgement but you know stereotypically the male they go they you know they hunt and provide and the, the woman <laughs> she has to choose right she has to choose between kind of being that stay at home mum or focusing on her career, it's sort of, it's really hard to have it all, right? We have to choose. And um, I actually returned to work full-time after my kids were born and my husband stayed at home. So we made that very, very conscious choice. But then as a result of making that choice, um, I missed out, you know, as well. I missed out on some of those early milestones and, you um, Yeah, and then, you know, and you grapple with this kind of I want success, I want this corporate, you know, to to climb the corporate ladder, but at the same time I also want to be this present mum and I want to be available for my children and, you know, um, I don't want, yeah, we want it all, right, and I want it. And so um, starting our first business was one way of potentially getting it all. And once I'd sort of realized it really is about betting on yourself and and taking this leap of faith and doing what you know ninety five percent of the population wouldn't do, <laughs> and mindset plays such a big part in the whole game yeah, of business. Absolutely. And I sort of yeah, and I'd learned so many lessons along the way that I thought I'd love to help more women to have it all, you know, to be able to build a business and be available for family and, you know, not feel like they have to choose.
0: Yeah. And and could you speak to the mums who are listening who have either been through that or experiencing it now, that that mum guilt that, like, I should be doing this, I should be doing this, so I should be doing everything, and how you were able to move through that?
1: Um. Look, the mum guilt is something that I can't honestly say has ever gone away because, you know, um, you always feel like you could have done things better or you could have done things differently, you know, whether its, um, yeah. And so I'm not sure it necessarily goes away, but it is possible to um, to build a life and a business that, is sustainable to be able to juggle it all in a, you know, in, in a sustainable way. So you're not hustling, you're not up all night trying to work at night so that, you know, so you don't miss out on the kids, but you're kind of, you, you've got a nice balance in your life. So your kids get to see you also achieving whatever it is that you desire. And it's not just you know what I mean? It's not just one-sided yeah. and it's not just about giving, it's about receiving as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the greatest gifts for me being in business is is having that time during the day, that more of that flexibility, but also what it's given both my children around their desire for what they want to do in the future, having choices, having balance in their choices. And I think, like like you said, there are easy ways to make money, but there are also better ways of living life. So can I just take you back to what you said about your, your parents? So if we talk, it's not just mum guilt, right? Like family guilt, all these different things. And I know I'm with you. I think these sort of things don't ever leave, but we can definitely get to a point where we, I don't even think it's coming. I don't even think it's leaving. It's like, it just, these are emotions that we feel at different times and getting better at being able to manage them can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from being that primary carer for your parents through that challenging time and yeah and how you were able to to navigate the, the guilt there as well
1: yeah oh goodness guilt <laughs> <laughs> i have quite a good relationship with guilt you know um i've, I've sort of uh, and you know and being Ian, being from a Sri Lankan sort of culture as well, there's a whole new level of guilt (laughs) that comes with with that too. Do
0: tell, do tell.
1: (laughs) Well, there's this expectation in um, sort of more of the Eastern cultures that, you know, children look after their parents, you know, and that is the expectation. And it's fair to say that my, I wouldn't say my parents because my mum, you know with her Alzheimer's and also my mum's a very different person but my dad very much had that expectation you know yeah. he, he sort of very much saw it as my responsibility to care for them and um, you know and at, we had some very difficult conversations where you know he even he's a good man by the way I absolutely adore I love my father and I wouldn't have it any other way but we had some very difficult conversations where he more or less said to me well Having a business is a choice. You don't have to have that. You know, when I was sort of having those conversations with him about, I'm not sure I can do this all, and I think we need to look at other ways of getting you the support that you need. And he was not open to getting other support. You know, he was
0: get rid of the business and support more.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely, Mm. yeah, yeah. And um, they were really tough conversations and it was, you know, it was really tough navigating that whilst also navigating um, my teenager, going through some mental health challenges and having two businesses. By this point, I was less involved in the construction business, but for the first three years of my coaching business, I was doing both. Um, And... And my coaching business was growing and I had clients, you know, and so I was kind of at this whole new level of juggling. But quite honestly, my coaching business has never felt like work. It was my it was my escape. <laughs> you know, it was because when you're really doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work, right? And so it really felt like um it's what kept me sane in many many ways yeah and and i was able to also show my clients and and my audience and and the rest of the world that we are capable of doing hard things <laughs> you know life doesn't it doesn't have to be easy for us to be successful we can we can as humans do way more than we think we're capable of when we have to
0: absolutely and me personally i actually feel better and healthier when i'm in action i'm not that i'm taking action all the time because it's the balance is important but if i have too long just sitting around doing very little then i get bored that's just always been the case i actually thrive in that space so it's not about being so busy that you can't scratch yourself but yeah but I'm, I'm with you it's like let, let's get on with some stuff it's it's really fulfilling.
1: 100 percent 100 percent I think there's a saying I'm going to butcher the saying but there's a saying around if you if you want to get something done give it to a busy person.
0: <laughs> yeah yes 100 percent yeah.
1: <laughs> something along those lines because it'll get yeah. done right and yeah. Yeah, and, and that level of stress and adrenaline isn't sustainable all the time. You can't. You can't live in that state of um, feeling so stressed. But um, but it is possible, right, and, and you do get through it and, you know, every breakdown has a breakthrough, you know, and, and I've experienced that every time, you know, as I've been able to, kind of lean into the discomfort and and keep taking it one day at a time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I saw something, well, it's probably a little while ago now, talking about burnout is a necessary part of growth because we're burning off old versions of us and old stuff to be able to make space and, and to regenerate like, like a forest would, I guess, after a fire. Tell me, was there one particular moment where the stress got too much and you hit that sort of burnout time? And and if so, what what did you learn from that?
1: Um, I'd say definitely in the early stages when my kids were little um, is and I was still in my corporate career is when I really truly experienced burnout because um, that. That was a really interesting situation. So I'd work reasonably long hours, you know, eight to ten hours in in corporate, and then I'd come home and immediately I would walk through the front door and I would switch into bring, being the primary carer for my kids because my guilt would just kick in, right? And, and it wasn't even a guilt thing. It was just a natural instinct. I wanted yeah. to make up for my lost time. And as a result, I was, you know, my kids were babies, and so I was dealing with all the night wake-ups and, and all the things, and so I was just exhausted, you know, yeah, and that probably. is what led to the burnout. Whereas although I've navigated some really, really difficult um, periods of time since starting my um, businesses, I've not really, I wouldn't call it burnout, but I've, I've had some very, teary (laughs) emotional stressful periods but but i wouldn't necessarily call it burnout it was just feeling like i hope i can get through this you know just um yeah yeah. yeah. i hope this gets easier (laughs) i really hope this gets easier yeah
0: for me having gone through it a fair few times, like my my lowest point was crashing one car into the other car in my own driveway. That was oh burnout. Yeah, right. That was the end of yeah. a year, a couple of years ago. But what I've learned is I have started to see the signs. So you still have those moments, but but then you start recognizing, oh, if I keep going down this path, I'm gonna get it's gonna to get too far. So so what are the, some of the signs for you that that you were able to recognize that apart from the teary part, but is there other signs that you notice where you're like, okay, I need to bring myself back into balance?
1: Yeah, usually if it's impacting my sleep, that's a problem. You know, I can every now and then I can manage without, with you know, with a poor night's sleep. But if that yeah. becomes a repetitive um that will definitely impact me, I know that. And I'll start making silly mistakes and miss meetings and, you know, it, it has a huge downstream impact on everybody else as well. So I think sleep is really important. Exercise, you know, no matter how tired we are, no matter how stressed we are, no matter how time poor we are, if we're not managing to fit in some exercise just to, you know, for our own personal benefits then I know that will you know cause a bigger issue down the track so but the main thing I would say is is sleep yeah.
0: Yeah it's a big one uh when I did a stint with the NRL team down here in Sydney they were talking about the nine key things to well-being and the theory was that you can throw the other one, eight, the other eight, in the bin if you haven't got sleep managed. And it's amazing how many people just tolerate. But I love how you've identified it. Actually, that's one of the signs that that you need to take action. So, do you have a strategy if things do get a bit too far? Like, what's your go-to strategy to get yourself back on track?
1: Um look I, I'm <laughs> I, I I don't have like a meditation practice per se. I, I really don't. I don't have that regular meditation practice, but during those stressful periods, during if I know that um you know, my mind is processing a thousand and one ideas and I'm worried about a lot of things, then I turn to a medipre- meditation practice, you know, to really help me to quieten the mind. And, um, yeah, and, and I find that definitely helps. So um, whether it's a guided meditation or whatever it is, it, I just need to switch off my my brain because I am a really big thinker. Um, and I can spend a lot of time um, analysing and <laughs> worrying about stuff, you know. Yeah, I, can, so I, re- I can
0: relate to that, <laughs> um, and I know the listeners can because that's something that I do talk about in the individual episodes a lot. What is it about meditation that helps with the, all that mind noise?
1: I think it just slows everything down. You know, it just um, I don't often I'm not able to often completely switch off. It's quite a rare thing for me to be able to completely switch off. You know, I may have to do something like breath work to achieve that um, and, you know, really facilitated deeper breath work to achieve that where I can completely switch off. But it definitely helps me to slow things down you know and really slow down the mind and slow down all those thoughts and to get into that kind of relaxation state where I can actually then then fall asleep um so yeah so I I I find it it definitely works for me you know and 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 even leading into that sleep time you know listening to music or whatever it is for me to just unwind and um you know and and separate to that I might you know see a therapist or talk through some of the problems as well because I can't bottle it all. I'm very, very fortunate. My husband and I have a great relationship and he's he's a great listener when it comes to, you know, these situations. So he's incredibly helpful and empathetic and he holds that space for me if I need that as well. Um, yeah, great. But yeah, yeah.
0: And I love that you've brought that to the attention as well. It's it's so important to be able to externalize these things when it all gets a lot. And, yeah, what you've described there is that, that they're the go-to things for me too. It's like, do I need to meditate more? Do I need to talk to someone? And, yeah, it's huge. It, can can I take you back to when you first got into business? Because obviously a lot of these strategies are now learned and, and skills you've developed over time in business what was hardest about those well just that first 12 months? You've just basically jumped off a ledge without a parachute and like you said you mortgaged the house. So how did you manage in that in that early time?
1: Um In many ways, Ian, the first business wasn't as hard. When I reflect back, I know it was stressful. Like we had some very stressful periods. It was 2008. It was right slap bang in the middle of what was known as the financial crisis. So why the heck were we kind of starting a business? You know, it's like, uh, who does that? We do. And, um, you know, and I remember our kids were little and, and I think there were these Queensland floods and bananas were expensive and avocados were expensive and, you know, there was all these things going on and, and, you know, there were times when we were getting all the things that we knew we wanted our kids to have but we didn't necessarily eat so well. You know, there were really some... I look back and I fondly remember those days but at the time I'm sure it wasn't as... Romanticize, you know what I mean? I look back yeah. and I think it was it was uh romanticized the time, but it was incredibly stressful, you know. And there were like moments when we were talking about do we need to reach out to our parents and borrow money? We never did, but we we thought about it, you know, we talked about it, and I was rolling on credit cards, borrowing from one credit card to pay the other credit card, and you know, so there were some really stressful times, but we got through it because. You know, we were in a partnership. It was Michael and me, and we, whoever was having a tough time, the other one was there to lift the other one up. And we both always felt super employable. We had that as our fallback plan. You know, Mm, we both kind of knew if shit hits the fan, (laughs) one of us gets a job. You know, we just it's it's easy. So again, there wasn't this huge stress around you know, sure, we needed to make it work because we had a lot of money riding on it and we could have built our house. But, you know, we were young. (laughs) We could figure it out. It's not the end of the world. If we lose the house, we can, you know, we can start again kind of thing. We had that attitude.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But starting online was different again, right? Because online was a whole new thing for me and Mm -hmm. I was the face of the brand. And, you know, so it became more about, my own insecurities rather than about money. <laughs> if that
0: makes sense. It absolutely does. So in your old business, it was a brand and you can hide behind that, which which I know when I was studying and coaching, that was kind of how I Trying to tiptoe in is I'll have a brand, and then it won't be about me. And then eventually, you either get told the harsh truths, or you, or you just realise, or both, that you can't. Like if you're a coach, people are connected to you, not some fancy logo or brand name or whatever. And it's usually the uh, the toughest conversations I have with other budding coaches or potential coaches. It's like, no, it's it's about you. So, how did you overcome that? I guess it's a fear, in a way, isn't it, to step out into into the spotlight?
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and you know the whole concept of fake it till you make it is is great, but everyone knows you're faking it. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, you're faking it. You feel like an <laughs> imposter already, and and then you're trying to fake it. You know, and so um, I don't think in the first 18 months of business i'd say it was more than 12 months i reckon in the first 18 months of business i barely showed a photo of myself i was so self-conscious you know and so yeah it, and it and i had to shift through all of that right because i thought too that i was kind of starting this coaching business and i'm going to you know i it didn't matter what I looked like. It didn't matter sharing my stories. I was going to talk about mindset and, and you know, the things <laughs> that everybody needs. Yeah. And um, it didn't occur to me that I would, you know, sharing my own stories and being vulnerable about who I am was going to help so many more people. And that's exactly what people relate to. Yeah, The people who want to work with me are um, women who also feel like they want to simplify things and and they see me as a role model and someone that they could potentially emulate,
0: yeah. Yeah, and, and I see in you from what I've seen of your work is that you're so happy to stand in that light and so happy just to call it as it is and people want that certainty, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it it people want that certainty and they want to know that you're not perfect too, you know. That's the thing. I've Absolutely. never, I I often say don't put me on a pedestal. <laughs> I have not got it all figured out. In fact, it's no when knows. I don't have my, <laughs> no, I know, exactly. And because I don't have it all figured out, Is why you should pay attention to me (laughs) and you don't have to have your shit together. You know, your family could be a complete, yeah, like everything could be falling apart and you can still be successful if you're willing to just, yeah, not, not, if you're willing to take imperfect action, essentially, and, and know that, that's, that you're enough you know, and you don't Mm. have to be perfect.
0: Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? And I know you talk a lot about helping business owners to make money and I see the results that they're getting and I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. I'd love for you to talk a bit about how that relationship between being enough and and actually making money, if you could, Anne.
1: Yeah, so um, I'll also touch on the simplicity aspect right because that's a big filter and that's a big part of the conversation that I'm having you know about because I think we can all be successful to a point if we're willing to do absolutely anything that it takes <laughs> you know like yeah work 24/7 and and you know just hustle all the time and and that's one you know one way of becoming successful you know that's the way we've that most people think it's meant to be and then there's the other way and that is to do it in the most balanced way possible right where um, you can have it all and you build this business that fits around your life and that feels simple to run and isn't overwhelming and is a joy you know and you don't actually need a holiday from your business because you actually love it so much right and um and that takes a whole new level of mindset to believe that you're good enough to actually achieve that you know so you can have your strengths and your skills and and the gifts that you know you have but then to actually believe that you can build a business without all the sacrifice that stereotypically people say a business requires, you know, um, is a whole new mindset that you need to step into to believe that it's available yeah. for you as well.
0: Absolutely. So how did you build that mindset? What were the steps? What were the key things you learned to be able to build that that belief in yourself, particularly in this second business that you're talking about that was all about you?
1: Yeah, yeah. and And look at... I guess it kind of happened by accident, Ian. So I didn't come into this business kind of going, oh, I'm going to create this um, niche around simplicity, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It, it it became a necessity. I had to figure out when you are limited by time and you have pockets of time, literally, you know, there were days when I could only work for 30 minutes and there were days I could work for two hours and on occasion, I'd be lucky to get four hours in my day, you know, when, yeah. because I was navigating appointments for my parents and appointments for my kids and being in fifteen different places and still being involved in the construction business and you know and and all the things. Yeah, I had to build my business in pockets of time, you know. So sometimes I'd be, you know. I'd taking my dad to see the cardiologist and writing a post while I'm in the waiting room, (laughs) you know, that's the kind of thing I I was, I was, you know, that's how I built my business. And so then, and I think the beauty, beauty of not having a lot of time is you don't have a you don't have the time to overthink things either, you know? And so I knew I needed more structure. So I didn't have to think about what needed to be done I just would do it in the tiny pockets of time that I had, you know, so a post a day. That's it. I've just got to get a post out no matter what, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. It, yeah, and, and I didn't overthink things. I just had a system. I had structure in place oh. that allowed me to keep it simple.
0: Yeah, it tingles on that one. So system and structure, so important in business, right? Because otherwise you can get caught in the shiny object. You can get caught in distraction, all these other ideas that you have. We could do, do, this, do this, we can do that. But if you've got the system and structure in place, then, yeah, you can get heaps out of your time like you just described. Is that something you learned from construction? Um, in business?
1: Yeah, to an extent. I think. What I brought from the construction business into this business was a very narrow niche. Like in the constru you know, so we know we all know the construction industry is a huge industry, right? That and you could, you know, you could be building houses, you could be building uh, car parks, multi-story buildings, roads, all the things, right? And we built yeah. we went into a very narrow niche and we built temperature controlled rooms. So rooms that stored um, anything ranging from food and drink through to really expensive artwork, um, like, and dead bodies <laughs> and everything yeah, in between, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Were, so it was very, very niched. And, and similarly, when I came into my coaching business, I was like, okay, so I, I sort of niched to an extent, but I kind of went, I'm just going to have one high ticket offer. That's it. I'm not going to create the funnels, the low ticket, the mid ticket, the high ticket, and all the things in between because I don't want to leave money on the table. I was like, I'm selling just one thing. <laughs>
0: That's, That's cool. It.
1: Yeah, and I was able to build my business to five hundred thousand dollars in a year with one offer, That's working awesome. less less than four hours most days. Very occasionally I'd put in a longer day, but most days it was working less than four hours.
0: That's cool. <gasps> yeah, and <laughs> I think uh, that whether no matter what business you're in, then having that real clear idea of what it is that you bring to the table is going to be so important. What, what I've also learned is that there's different strategy depending on if you're an introvert, an extrovert, more big picture and whatever, would you consider yourself an extrovert? You're very comfortable in that space of, of being in conversation with your um, with the with students, for want of a better, better term?
1: Um, look, I'm, I'm fine one-to-one. Um, I'm fine in small groups. I'm fine with my clients because, you know, I feel comfortable with them. But I wouldn't – I'm kind of – Naturally, a little bit more introverted, but I've had to um, come out of my shell, you know. Um, so I do one Facebook live a week, and I have done one Facebook live a week for a long time.
0: And yeah, the very, cool.
1: very first time I started doing Facebook lives, it was, ugh, the worst. Terrifying.
0: <laughs> it was
1: terrifying. <laughs> I was so out of my comfort zone. I, I'd like to say I owned an R back then. I still own an R and I don't worry about it so much. But, you know, I overthought yeah, yeah. everything and, um, you know, and now hundreds of Facebook Lives later, it. I don't even think about it. I just hit the button and go live. That's not to say I don't have that moment of hesitation just before i hit the live button but i still do it and then i you know and once i'm 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 in it i'm i'm done and so um yeah so it's kind of i i don't necessarily i mean networking and i think you do this in i think you do this um networking in real life (laughs) walking into a room full of people is, is one of my biggest nightmares you know, <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just not that person.
0: Interesting, yeah. No, for me that's yeah. me in my absolute zone. I'd, I'd happily do that all day, every day. So, uh, so, but again, it's like we, we all have these unique differences, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, don't get me wrong, video is not easy for me, but, um. I can just, I just think of myself as teaching, you know, I'm just teaching something and and I just yeah. get on and I just just do it. I have a few bullet points to keep me on track and I just get on with it. Um, but yes, That's I don't funny. necessarily consider myself an extrovert by any means.
0: <laughs> you mentioned there that you still have that moment of hesitation, but you take action anyway. Action gives you, Confidence. Action gives you motivation. Accident action removes the anxiety. Is that something you've just always been able to do or is there something that you learned that, that gave you that skill to just act anyway?
1: Um, I, it's funny. I, was, I did a Facebook Live today and talked about the identity shift that, you know, I've had to experience and go through myself to achieve everything that I have to this point. And, you know, if you really want something, you know, it it, it requires you to align your thoughts and your beliefs with what it is that you want, right, and then, that, hmm. uh, then the next thing is the action that you take as a result of that. And doing something once is never going to give you the outcome that you want. And so, yeah, I mean, it is something... Um, on the 1st of June this year, I started turning the shower to freezing cold, 1st of June, right, start of winter in Australia. I started to, uh, you know, I'd have a lovely warm shower and then turn it to cold right at the end. And I haven't not done it since then, right. And I, I can't even imagine, you know, like I, I did it for many reasons, but it is something that I just do so I've removed the thinking right and it's it's I, I try and <laughs> my my secret is to remove the thinking you know when we think is when everything when we we change how we feel and all the other things that follow right so if you can remove the thinking and just do certain things and that's where structure comes into play for me um, it is just so much easier. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. I don't love the idea of the cold shower part, but I love how you've just, yeah, you, you keep going until it just becomes non thinking. I'm actually my my youngest learning to drive at the moment. And he's still very much in it having to think about all these things. And he's like, How do you get to that? I'm like just repetition that you'll get to a point where suddenly it's like, Oh, I can just drive. Exactly. So I love that. Yeah. Exactly,
1: and I tr- and Assistance. I try and incorporate a lot of that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. It's it's your muscle memory, right? It's, yeah. um And I try and I I see that as being a common theme in a lot of things that I do. You know, I just it's a little bit some of it you could re- call it structure. But other things, it's just I see it as I remove the thinking. (laughs) They become a standard. Yeah, they become a standard. They become a non-negotiable, whatever way you want to put it. Um, I don't rely on motivation is the point I because I can't. (laughs) I can't rely on motivation.
0: Necessity. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You mentioned your daughter having some – uh, pretty significant mental health issues. Now, you don't have to go into great detail about how that was for her, but as a mum, like, was that like, does then guilt show up again there? And and what else, like, what was that like for you in terms of having to face something that you weren't, well, I imagine no one's, no parents really ready for that, are they?
1: No. So... My oldest, my firstborn, was actually born female and has now transitioned to male. So my son, um, we had a few years there when um, you know he he sort of shared with us that he had this sort of. Um, uh, these feelings that he was in the wrong body, I suppose you could say, and we were sort of were understanding and accepting, but just kind of saying, you know, give yourself time, it could be hormones, it could be this, it could be that, and we didn't, you know, we didn't really fully understand and we didn't want, you know, we were so afraid of making the wrong, um, of making a mistake. You know, with hindsight, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a mistake, but, you know, at the time you want to protect your children and, you know, and so... um it's fair to say I have a lot of guilt <laughs> and regrets, even you know, about how I handled the whole situation. But when I reflect back, I know I did the best that I could at that particular time. Um, but yeah, it was a huge learning curve, and and subsequently, he's been diagnosed as bipolar and having borderline personality disorder and so it has been a really really tough tough roller coaster ride you know and um yeah and there were times there were times when i didn't want to get out of bed <laughs> in the morning and there were times when i wanted to know just give everybody a refund and shut my business down um but I also knew that I wasn't going to quit and and you know and all the yeah this time would pass you know And, and I knew things would get easier and I trusted and believed that all along and Um, I shared my journey as I was going through it, you know, maybe not in the very, very moment, but maybe, you know, sort of pretty soon afterwards. And, you know, I, I did some, I had conversations with my clients where I was in tears and, you know, and there were sometimes tears on even public Facebook Lives only because I wanted everyone to see that we are capable of so much more, you know, and our life can be a shit show and um, we can still get through it, you know. And, yeah, mental health is so important. And when someone you adore is going through a tough time, obviously it has a huge impact on the whole family as well.
0: Yeah, hugely. It comes back to what we were talking about before. It's like being real, like, when you're someone that's helping other people, then it's people want to see that you're not perfect. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. It's often those posts when I'm talking about the, the different challenges that get the most traction because people are like, yeah, it's it's real. And we all go through these moments. So I appreciate yeah. you sharing so openly. And that's, um, that's how we create change for ourselves and, and for others. And, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm sure the listeners are too. My experience in, in... – yeah, go.
1: No, no, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important for everyone to see that life is not always perfect, you know. Um, like yeah, yeah. we started the conversation, or maybe it was before you hit record, we talked about, you know, people see what – People see what I have today and they think, oh, it's easy for you, Anne. (laughs) You know, but they don't actually know what's been going on behind the scenes and we never do, right? We never do unless we share it.
0: Yeah. Oh, Anne's so lucky. Look how lucky she is. Yeah, because she's, you know, you get a lot of luck when you work hard and and you're able to navigate these challenges.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You know, everyone thinks that I was born (laughs) with everything that I have today, you know, that it was just given to me on a silver platter. And Mm. that is so far from the truth. Yeah.
0: For me, dealing with my children's struggles taught me so much. So what was the one thing that stood out that you learned from your son through all of that transition and and you having to deal with those the, the impact that had on you?
1: Yeah, um, wow, so many lessons, Ian, Um, so many. And I think the overriding one is, you know, we have a vision for our children's future and when things don't end up being what we imagine it to be, you know, we go through our own, grieving process because we sort of think this is how life is meant to look like and it doesn't look like that anymore. And But really at the end of the day, as long as they're healthy, as long as they're happy, none of it, no, nothing else matters, you know. Um, and, yeah, and so my biggest realisation is that that, unconditional love is is what overrides everything and yeah I I I did have you know I I know my my son's got a very bright future no matter what but somewhere along the way I think I was trying to be this overprotective parent and trying to slow things down perhaps but I think he knew he knew all along and maybe I should have just trusted him and um yeah Allowed him to figure things out for himself, whereas I think it was always in um, coming from a good place, I wanted to protect him really and and he didn't really need protecting. He just had to go through that journey and figure things out, and we just needed to be there to show our unconditional love and support.
0: Beautifully said, that's been the biggest lesson for me as well from my children is that uh, we, we think we know better. We think we need to fix things and direct them. and But really, it's like you said, just be there to support them as they navigate themselves. They have so many abilities beyond what we think they do. And, and yeah, I'll, it's one of the greatest gifts for me of, of the journey is to be able to, to give them that space to, to navigate. Of course, they, they'll reach out if they need help still, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we we all learn from lessons, right? We all learn yeah. from, um, you know, mistakes. And and I'm not saying any of this was a mistake, but, yeah, and, and I think we, we can try and protect our children. Um, and, yeah, when really we need to allow, we need to just um, affirm and support and accept them and accept the mistakes that they make along the way too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I hear what you're saying about the mistakes. It's where we end up dwelling is the mistakes we've made, like you referenced at the start of this part.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Now, I know you've already mentioned, you know, working with your husband through the first business. How important has it been for the two of you to have each other so close and tight through this business and life journey for the last 15 20 years.
1: Oh my gosh, Ian. <laughs> I can't tell you. So we've, we we um, we've been married for 25 years. We actually only knew each other for eight months before we got married. So you know, this could have this could have all ended in such a different way, but it worked out perfectly. And um, we kept, we've kept each other sane through some very very tough times. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, we've always had each other's back. You know, and there's always one time when it it, it went both ways when when he needed. He had his meltdowns and his moments and he needed me to be really strong, you know, and, and kind of go, it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. This time will pass, you know, and vice versa. And, um, yeah, I, I know lots of single parents do this and I have so much admiration and respect for them because it's tough. It's tough to to do it alone, yeah. And so um, I'm really, really grateful every single day that we have each other as we've navigated these very tricky times, yeah. Yeah, love it.
0: I know there's so many different elements to business and it's hard to narrow things down, but is there three key things that need to be in place for a successful business that you can share with the audience, Anne?
1: Um, Look, I think the offer, what it is that you're selling, it it sort of starts there. That is the most important thing. If you have an offer that genuinely solves someone's problem or, you know, um, helps them to achieve what it is that they desire, then obviously that's that's the most important thing. Um, Um. After that, it's three things. Um, I would say our own authority plays a big part, you know, how we show up online, how we share our knowledge, our expertise, our vulnerabilities, uh, you know, just... Especially in the coaching industry, people are not, you know, like we touched on before, it, it, it's not about coaching. People are not just looking for coaching. They're looking for a coach. They're looking for that person to, you know, to help them in whatever capacity, whether it's business or life coaching or whatever it is, they're looking for a very specific person, you know. And so I think um, that authority piece or how you show up plays a a huge part in being chosen, you know, to, so that people can make that buying decision as well. Yep. Um, and the third part, I would say, is having sort of a system, you know, uh, especially when it comes to simplicity, especially when it comes to balance and, and, and building a business when life is already a little bit chaotic, is to have a system that you can follow that is really simple and predictable and, you know, um, removes the thinking (laughs) which is a big part for me um yeah yeah, that structure and and system i would say is is the third most important thing yeah
0: love it offer authority and having the system perfect
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: what's one thing that you would love to see changed in the world for the better as a result of what you do in business
1: Um, The thing that I love about the coaching industry is the ripple effect that it causes, right, the change that it brings. And so, you know, I can't possibly personally (laughs) single-handedly make (laughs) as big an impact. Um, But what I love is that, you know, if I can help more women, in business, and I do, you know, I have nothing against men. I have just chosen to uh, to to help women. Um, but the more women I can help, the more clients they can help, and so together we sort of create this this ripple effect of change, which feels uh, incredibly powerful, right? And and it can make a big difference. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And and I imagine that you're indirectly helping any of your women clients who have male partners you're helping them endlessly by by that ripple effect as well
1: yeah and look and i have actually ma- uh, worked with uh, male clients too i just don't market to to men and so it is a little bit it's more of a marketing strategy but i have worked with men too and absolutely you know even though i help uh, women in business Everything life comes into business, right? Um, yeah. We talk about life. We talk about parenting. We talk about you know relationships. Um, everything comes into business. You know, it, it's it it's not a solo. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a single thing that sits alone that isn't impacted by the other things. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, I know the work that I do. Um, you know. Many of my clients have actually retired their husbands too, which is, which is awesome, you know, and that creates yeah. a whole different dynamic in, in their family and their freedom and their future as well. So, yeah.
0: That's really cool. Really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, you mentioned that Sri Lankan heritage. When did yes. you move to Australia? Was that something you did on your own?
1: Um, yes. Yes. I actually, um, I grew up in the UK. My parents moved to the UK, um, soon after I was born actually. So very, you know, I was very, very little. I was a toddler, Hmm. uh, when, when they moved to the UK. And so I grew up there and, um, I left on a working holiday, (laughs) got as far as Australia, met a man, and. yeah, and, you know, the leap of faith. There's there's a theme happening, Ian. There's this leap of faith that I take. Um, um, but, yeah, after after eight months, we got married for the visa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: you know, because otherwise I would have had to have gone back to the UK. And um, yeah, yeah. 20, 25 years later, I think... Our intuition was right. <laughs>
0: pretty, we, pretty we handy went. leap of faith.
1: It was a handy leap of faith. Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine, like, if you think about your parents' journey, that was a leap of faith for them, right? Like, I'm sure they were for looking looking for something from from that move, but still a leap of faith. And if you have to move to a whole other country,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, uh, without a doubt. Um, yeah, my dad's a doctor, so he um he did some of his medical studies in the u k and then he decided obviously to go back and um start a new life with his family there yeah, and so hmm. it yeah, it's huge, right to leave your family and everything you know. And start a whole new life in a new country. Um, so yeah, I do reflect on that. That wouldn't have been hard. And then he did it again, and he did it for me. They they moved to uh, to Australia so they could help me out. Michael and his family are in Perth, so we actually had no local support here in Melbourne. And um, you know, I imported my. <laughs> babysitters
0: <laughs> from the
1: UK. Um, and, yeah, so they came here as self-funded retirees from the UK. But then, you know, um, as it happened, their health declined and, um, you know, the tables were turned and I, I needed to step into supporting them. And, you know, I feel incredibly grateful. My parents are amazing, amazing people and they raised me very, very well Um but it was also a very challenging period of time until finally I was able to get them the help outside of me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah cool. I assume you've been back to Sri Lanka. Um,
1: yeah, with, with Michael and the kids. We yeah. were there just before COVID actually in 2019 and then prior to that Michael and I had been before the kids as well. So, yeah, we've been back a couple of times and, you know, um, yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, one day I have a goal, I have a dream to actually, you know, buy buy a property and, and, you know, just use it as a holiday home. So it's a beautiful country. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Did you feel – did you feel – uh you know, people talk about going back to the place of heritage, a, a real connection with the place.
1: Um, not really, Ian, because most of our family, so Sri Lanka is a reasonably stable sort of country now, but it's yep. been through a civil war, and most of my family have. You know, my original Sri Lankan sort of family have are scattered around the world. So yeah, right. Um, yeah, so there was no real, con- you know, I, I, I w- we went to a destination wedding in 2019. That was a reason to go there. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, there's no real strong pull or connection, but it's you know, it's like Bali or any other country that's got beautiful beaches and and just you know, great food and. It's a it's a easy country to live in, um, but it is a third world country at the same time, right? And so, yeah. and that comes with other challenges. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful place. But I don't necessarily feel that strong. Um, it doesn't feel like home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, we'll, we'll wrap wrap up in a sec because I know you've got places to be this afternoon. I appreciate the time. I'm just curious, so we, we, we've been through an interesting period in our history in the last four or five years. You were in Victoria, which was the most uh, restricted part of the world by a fair stretch was that did that come with uh, any negative sort of spin-off or or like with everything that you seem to do? you just got on with it and, and moved forward <laughs>
1: Um, I got on with it and moved forward. It, it honestly, it didn't um, negatively impact me at all. It um, it was probably the turning point for my business. Um, it brought us together as a family um, yeah. because we had no choice. We were <laughs> we were stuck yeah. at home, um, <laughs> and it felt like a really safe little cocoon at that time. You know, That's and. Cool. And I know everyone has had a very, very, very different experience with um, COVID and lockdowns. So, and I don't take that lightly because I know it's been really tough for people. Um, But for us, it didn't negatively impact us, you know, it was just something that was happening and we just, got on with life, you know. Our construction industry was considered an essential service, our construction business rather, was considered an essential service. And um, so that business continued. Um, I was online, nothing changed. And um, yeah, my our kids were home with us. Um, and we actually got closer as a family as a result. But, um, yeah, so it wasn't as bad as a lot of other people experienced.
0: Yeah, and actually, as you say that, I'm thinking I know a lot of people talked about it being negative, but everyone I speak to when I talk when it comes to the conversation, I don't know anyone who's said it was a horrible experience. Like people uh, had obviously had some people close to them with health issues, but generally people say what you said is it brought us close together as a family we got to do some things that we wouldn't have otherwise done. Um, it's definitely I could relate to what you said about business it was definitely a turning point for mine as well. yeah, it's amazing we go through these these really tough times but they they seem to bring so much positivity. Is that something you would you would say having been now in business for for a long time?
1: Yeah absolutely and you know and and it's like. We were talking before. I don't know if we romanticize things after the event, and we <laughs> see it with with different glasses. I think it would have been different for people who lost their jobs and lost their yes. income, and they were feeling a level of stress that came with the lockdowns, or you know, and some people with younger kids who, my goodness me, they were trying to. Homeschool
0: Home those school. kids,
1: and that will have yeah. been a nightmare. And other people who might have been really lonely because they didn't have family, you know, that could have been a whole different experience for them. So I respect the fact that not everyone had the same experience during that period of time. But absolutely, when I look back, um, it wasn't it wasn't bad. You know, it was uh, it was just a moment in time. And yeah, I reflect on it and I think. It was nice to be in a little cocoon for that period, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it felt safe somehow, which is very strange.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's, it, it took us back to how people used to live. Like, I don't know about you guys, but you would connect with the neighbours more, you'd wave and talk and stand out the front of your house and... And slow down that to me that was the biggest thing was like life just slowed down I didn't have to have the kids here or there or yeah
1: 100 percent. there was no running around to activities and all the other things right it was mm-hmm. very much a slow down and a, a grounding that happened that i think a lot of people um experienced and enjoyed you know where we Got back to the basics, playing board games and, you know, entertaining ourselves without. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You know, obviously we all still had our devices and technology, but still it was a different, um, a different way of reconnecting as a family.
0: Yeah, I love that. Now, the personal side of business is is so important. So, just before we finish up, and what would you, what message would you share to someone, not necessarily in business, just about life that that uh, is going to help them get more out of their future?
1: Um, there's. If there's one parting message from me, it would be just go for it. You know, if there's something that you really want out of life, stop thinking. (laughs) Stop waiting for the right time. Um, You know, there's no better time than now. Something, Ian, that I keep getting reminded of, all the time and i don't know if it's a sign of my age but growing old is a privilege that not everyone has love it you know and we can take it for granted and yet we don't all have the same you know we we don't know you know one in two people seemingly will have cancer before they turn 80. You know, so there are so many reasons to just do something now. I don't think anyone on their deathbed regrets what they did. (laughs) Mostly they regret what they didn't do, you know. Um, Yeah. And so it's kind of live life in the now and just, Take those leaps of faith and follow your dreams. There you go.
0: Love it. Stop thinking. Just get out there and do it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so thank you. Yeah, yeah, simple. <laughs> Love it. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Really enjoyed this chat and so much value for people listening. Thank you.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your program I'm really yeah it was so great to connect
0: yeah yeah great thanks me too thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast thank you so much for listening please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too if you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief let's chat email me at info at ian you can also stay connected with me by joining the grief code community at Ianhawkinscoaching.com hawkins forward slash the grief code and remember so that i can help even more people to heal please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform